everybody in 1130, even if we did a Unite service, just a one-time opportunity. So I said, let's go back to 10 a.m. Let's fill the 320 chairs because we're getting there. We're, you know, it, God's working. We, we get there and we can do it consistently. Then we can go back to double maybe next year. But for now, we want everybody to get the same message, hopefully have the same mindset, amen, same vision, and the same willingness to do whatever it takes. Amen. Father, I thank you so much for everything that's going to take place today. I thank you for the opportunity. I don't take it lightly to be behind this pulpit. I know there's much legacy here at Heart of the Bay, and I pray that we could tap in to some of that legacy that the Spirit had. But let the latter anointing, let us tap, tap into the latter anointing as well, because you called Pastor Esteban and Sister Chella to do a great work, a continuing work, a work on a whole new level, and all those connected to them play a part in that. So I pray as a contributor, you can speak to me and through me in Jesus' name. And everyone said, slap your neighbor, high five, say prayer, presence, and power. Amen. You may be seated for a moment. I'll read these. Normally people have you stand and read, but I can read it real quick. At any given time, you can stand up, you know what I mean, slap a high five, do whatever you need to do. But I just ask that you let me unpack this thing because I'm going to paint a picture about what God wants from us in 2019. Now, the word 19, biblically, there's a lot of stuff people say, but if you look it up, it says doing things in the proper prescribed manner, but also bring good news. So those are the two I chose because we need to get things back into its proper prescribed manner, meaning biblically, amen? If we want revival, then it has to come from the Bible. And so all the greatest revivals, they all had a little pattern. And I'm starting to see that now, and I'm starting to grow a little bit and understand how God could bring revival to our city, but not just our city, the surrounding cities, because we got people driving from some great distances because God's drawing them. Say drawing them. And so drawing is another way of evangelism. There's times when I go out and the Spirit uses me to give somebody a flyer and tell them about our church or share the gospel. But then there's times where he don't need me. That's called the glory of God. And he draws people to our church. One of them is in here today. He was driving three hours and never been to Victory Outreach before, but somebody in Victory Outreach was sharing my vlogs and some of our services, and he said that God drew him. Can you wave your hand, Gilbert, right there? He was way down there. He had never been in there, but he had friends that were pastors in Victory Outreach. But no, that's a big deal because some people get upset, Pastor, if they have to drive three minutes. Driving three hours because God is drawing them. Now, I'm telling you little stories to build your faith. Well, let me backtrack a little bit. All right. I'll get to some people we know that's bigger than me. I was in Dallas, Pastor Jesse and Valerie Perez down there. Okay. We're down there, and there's a lot of things happening, come down there and preach basically similar to what I'm going to preach to you right now. God moves, a lot of people get healed, but the main thing is they believe they can take that same healing power, that same thing, building their prayer lives, building corporate prayer, and it's done a lot. I mean, they're on fire down there. God's doing some things. It ain't because of me, but it is a contribution, the message you bring. Can you say amen? I'm getting to some stuff. Now, all of you might have seen the vlog where my brother-in-law was in a coma. He was supposed to die in San Jose. And when he was in that coma, my wife took off out of nowhere because I was like, man, that was an expensive flight to get to Vegas because, you know, it's her little brother. They said he ain't going to make it. His friend, you know, had just died next, that was next to him. Somebody slipped him molly while they were drinking alcohol and all that stuff, right? And so he's in a coma. So she gets there a few hours, maybe about seven hours after he's been into this, and they're saying he ain't going to make it. So I said, put the phone by his ear. Amen. Now, I'm talking about prayer, presence, and power. So I said, put the phone to his ear. So I began to rebuke the spirit of death and God bring him back to the conscious realm and all that different stuff. Stuff we don't think about saying because sometimes we want to be a little bit too simple that it can't help anybody in the deep. So he gives out of this two days later. These are verifiable things. That's why his name is Jesus. You can see he, he did, we did a video together. He came to rain, Run for Hope is where I did it last year. I'm coming forward. And so and I'm, I'm doing this because I want to show you something about prayer that a lot of people miss that's going to change everything this year. Now, he ends up saying in the video, when I was in that coma, I heard my brother-in-law's voice. When, he didn't hear nothing else, but he said, I heard your voice. He's the one who came and told me, he said, I heard your voice when you was praying for me. That's a powerful thing. Because that means our prayers can reach into a realm that we can't see. 
Shortly after that, another miracle took place, many in our church, but these are in other people's churches. Uh, our elder, Pastor Rick Alanese, you can always go up and ask him and Sister Jeannie. First time they weren't there, preached, got a word of knowledge for a few people. Was able to speak it to their life, but instantly God was able to heal them because sometimes when you get a word of knowledge, there's such a faith release from you that that's where the healing property was. Because sometimes you think I'm having faith for you, but I'm really pulling faith from you. Because there are some people, Pastor, that say, I have no faith. That's not true. God gave everyone a measure of faith. You just got to let them pour into that measure. So there are people with no, you know, no faith, they feel. But by the end of this day, even if you move to little faith, they said a little faith can move a mountainside. Amen. So if you got little faith, it's all right. It'll grow. But man, if you got great faith, some miraculous things can take place. See, healing is recovery. Miracle means he removes time and process like he did with the miracle with the wine he's able to do it instantly there are times i can tell when god's going to do it instantly not because of any other thing than the word he gives me second time i go to san bernardino a couple of months back many people were with me uh, and, and they'll tell you well there's a woman that's hispanic but she got raised with some jewish people she was talking about yeshua hamashiach and you know, uh, you know, the Ruach, Kadesh, all these things. So I understood that terminology. Why? Because when we went to Mighty Men of Valor, when I first got saved in 99, I didn't have no money. The only book I could pick up that I had enough money for was one for me. I picked up Good Morning Holy Spirit, and then somebody else bought me one, Jewish Custom and Manners. So because I was broke, this only two books that I was studying for months on end, not knowing in the end would help me move into Miraculous. So we get there, and I tell this woman that from Acts 14, which I was preaching, Pastor, I said, you know, I'm here because I said, there's a spirit on you. Can I just, he said, I can get a little time, I'm going to help, because I got to see you get healed. Give me, a, give me a person right here, like, give me one person standing here and about four people coming up after that. Give me, go on, here you go, mighty man of God. If you could stand right here, just give me, it don't matter if it's two men, two women, just give me four people real quick. I just want to show you something, because this is how people come in. This is how this woman, and you'll know why I'm doing this in a second. This is very important, because we got a lot of dope te uh, testimonies. Everybody in here, if I said who was on drugs, from me to you, we're the chief sinners. I mean, I, I, you know, I pulled a gun on the president. I was smoked out for 10 days, amen, and all that stuff. And that's common because of who we reach. But what's uncommon is when you move into miracles because there are people that contact me from bigger ministries that are not our ministry saying, you know, is who, who do you study and things like that. And I said, I study the Holy Spirit. This is my contribution in outreach. I don't have a plan B. I am Victor Outreach. I'm Isaiah 54. Amen. Come on, somebody. So you guys, come here. I need you. You're going to be tiredness. You stand right here. Put your hand over it. Take your glasses off if you could because I can't afford those. Amen. <laughs> Put your hand over his eye. He's the spirit of tiredness. Come here. Put yours over his heart. This, he's the spirit of unforgiveness. Come here real quick. There you go, buddy. Come on right here. I don't know if he wants you to. Are y'all good friends? All right, I want you to put your hand over his mouth because you're the spirit of bitterness. So before I preached down there, I said, this is how most people try to come in, do worship, preach, pray, all kinds of stuff. They give, they give out a, they mean well, but they got a lot that they're wrapped up in. Remember when Jesus said, Lazarus, come out? So when Lazarus came out, Jesus didn't touch him. He said, you take his grave clothes off. See, God leaves it up to us to come and take the grave clothes off. So I said, I, I, I rebuke the spirit of tiredness in the name of Jesus. And I rebuke the spirit of unforgiveness. And I rebuke the spirit of you know, whatever you were, amen. So, you know what I mean? But I said, this is how God wants us to come in. God wants us to see clearly what he is able to do in our lives because a lot of times we see what he's doing in other people's lives but not in their lives. Give them a hand clap because I'm going to show you something. I, I, that's all theatrics I had to do quick only because of time. Now, listen. I tell this woman in the wheelchair, I got a word for you from God. You're going to walk today. And she said she had MS for three years, musculoskeletal, so she ain't walk. Her legs are rubbery. There's no way. And so she just said, no. And I said, no, you are. I said, you know what? what let me tell you first, ma'am. I said, listen, God told me to tell you you have a spirit of tiredness covering you. And she said, what do you mean? I said, you are tired of everybody telling you you're going to walk every time they preach and you haven't. And she started crying. Now, this is God leading me to say this, right? I said, you're going to walk today. All I need you to do is I'm going to go down here because God's got me ministering in some other areas. But when I say now, 
That means that I'm giving you the word and you're responding to the word because the Bible says if you obey, I ain't calling myself a prophet. I'm following a principle. But I prophesied into her life. And I said, the Bible says that if you receive a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. And so I walked away. And I was ministering down here, and a couple leaders, he said his meniscus was torn. And I was praying. He said he could feel stuff moving in his leg. And so I'm preaching, and I said, God, tell me, say now. And I said, now! And I heard people starting to scream because she got up. And when she got up, you said, you've been to San Bernardino. It's a little bit higher than this, but about as many steps. And she started to walk up to me. And I said, Lord, give strength to her bones as she steps. And then she kept stepping more. And she was just like this. I said, the spirit's lifted off of you. Nothing but faith, prayer, and the power of God is lifting you up right now. There is no spirit to hold you down. I've rebuked all of those things that were holding you down. Because sometimes you got to know how to rebuke the barriers on people. Do you know that woman walked? Pastor Johnny Reeves hit me up. He texted me. He said, you know, that woman had never been to our church till the miracle service. And he said, that's a bona fide miracle, Pastor Gerald. He said, because she ain't got that walker no more. And she's praising God. She ain't missed church yet. That makes a big difference. Not just about two weeks ago, just one more, and then I'm going to preach this. Say, presence of God. Get a phone call from somebody I used to work with. They used to go to our church for a while, but they've been gone over like four or five years. You might have seen the picture. White woman laying in the bed was in a coma. Her husband calls our church phone looking for me, right? I'm in the car with Jesse uh, Rodriguez, and uh, he calls, and he says, man, they, her kidneys are shut down, and they it, man. The pastor, this is the end, and he was going panic, and I tried to calm him down. I said, hey, I ain't seen you in a long time, man. How you doing, bro? I said, he said, man, but you understand, Brenda, and I was just like, just calm down, man. I said, you wouldn't have got a hold of me if God wasn't going to do something. And so I'm talking to him, and he's calming down. I said, put the phone by her ear. You can't do it all the time, but when you feel drawn, then you do it. So I said, put the phone by her ear. He said, all right, pastor, it's on. So we began to press, and Jesse agreed with me. So we began to pray and rebuke to come back from the unconscious realm. Now, this don't matter to you until you're unconscious. Hallelujah. But it might be too late. Rebuke that. She was in a coma for two days. And then I get a call again. I'm in the car with Jesse. <laughs> yeah, maybe God wants him to move in miracles. I don't know. He, I'm in the car with him again. She calls and says, Pastor G. And I was like, yeah, how you doing? He said, it's Sean. I said, all right, Sean, what's happening? He said, hey, got somebody want to talk to you. Do you, have, do you have iPhone? I said, yeah. He said, I'm going to FaceTime you. So he calls me and then he FaceTimes me and there she is. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you a second. Because she was done. Her kidneys had already shut down. That's a, that's a death sentence for man, but not for God. All right, I'm going to preach this now, but this is the type of stuff God wants us all to do. See, some people try to pray without understanding the presence. Some people try to pray and don't know God's plan because he said you don't know how to pray as you ought. So how do I find out? Well, first of all, understand the presence is the most important thing. See, I've heard people in 21 years of salvation be too general with prayer. They say, the person who prays has power. And that's not true. Because if that was true, every religion prays, they would have power. So it's not that the person that prays has power. It's the person that knows how to get in the secret place so that through prayer, his power can touch them. That's the difference in who we serve. We serve a God that's alive and that can speak. And so I want to talk about what happens when you lose the presence of God. In 1 Chronicles 15, just for the sake of time, I'm going to condense this real quick. We get to a place where David is telling them about the presence of God. He's going to get the ark. Verse 1 says in 1 Chronicles 15, David built houses for himself in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God. Say he prepared a place. See, right now we're trying to prepare a place, but we are the ark now. So we have to prepare a place for God to do all the things we hear pastor talking about. If we don't prepare a place, God don't pour into nothing. He pours into something. So we, have, we can have confidence that if he's got some faith to pour into, that 125 is coming in the next two months. 
don't even know why I said that. Don't call me after 60 days. I told you I don't get no glory. Amen. <laughs> then David said, no one may carry the ark but the Levites, for the Lord has chosen them. Say chosen. chosen. He has chosen them to carry the ark of God and to minister before him forever. And David gathered all Israel together in Jerusalem, at Jerusalem, to bring up the ark of the Lord to its place, which he had prepared for it. I want to key in there because he prepared a place for it, but sometimes things don't go according to plan unless you learn your lesson. See, we into the blessing, but we miss the lesson. Our ministry, you know, is doing some new things. So it's new to us, but to the earlier generations, they would plant a home and then begin to do stuff. And, and a lot of stuff I'm noticing, the stories that we heard are starting to come back to where we're going to have to exercise faith like the men and women before. You know, I don't think anybody can duplicate Pastor Steve going overseas with just a couple of phone numbers because we got cell phones now. We got internet now. Right, man, we can make sure that uh, the temperature's right when we get there and that, you know, they got a nice hotel for me that's got a spa in my room and, you know, all this other stuff, a bunch of motoring because I don't believe in prayer no more. But see, those were men that they believed that if I just have the presence of God, then there's nothing that I cannot accomplish no matter where I am, whether people are with me or not. So often I think about the men and women like that in our ministry and just in the Bible and in the body of Christ in general. And I realize that we got to get back to the basics of knowing God's presence. See, the person of God is who he is. The presence of God is where he is. Because sometimes people feel like, well, I don't know if God is with me. Well, when you get to know his presence, you'll know he's with you. If I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit and I'm not letting the spirit of unforgiveness, the spirit of bitterness or the spirit of tiredness because sometimes we get tired I've heard it again well maybe we heard it again because nobody believed it then see God chose us to carry his presence it falls on us when something doesn't work out because God can't fail but his people can if they don't know the person who he is the presence where he is and the power what he can do now, somebody is going to get healed. I'm glad he prophesied because I was going to tell you from the jump. All the stuff today and tonight is prophetic. And I'm even going to see how God can activate some prophetic prayer people tonight. Different types of people are in the church, but three of them, or actually four of them I'm going to talk about that need to be identified so they can operate in it. Can you say amen? amen. See, David had lost the presence of God. He had lost it. Now, he wants it back. And he says, we got the presence, we can't do it like we did before. In the book of Exodus, God instructed that we should carry the presence of God in the ark on the shoulders of men. Men were supposed to carry God's presence, but see, David allowed his friend, his name, you know, he was uh, Abinadab's son, Uzzah, and they kept the presence of God in Abinadab's house for 20 years, I studied, and they never paid attention to it. So David goes and gets it and says, thank you, Abinadab, for giving it back. And your son is one of my good friends. So his son Uzzah is coming. But Uzzah reaches out and touches the ark. Now, it was a mistake that was innocent in our eyes. But it was deadly in God's eyes because he wasn't supposed to handle the presence like that. See, sometimes when we're doing God's presence wrong, there can be an impact because they were supposed to carry it on their shoulders, but because Abinadad hadn't discipled his son on how the presence of God should have been in a prescribed manner, they carried it on a cart, and the cart, anything man creates, is faulty. And so he reaches out to help the presence of God, and the presence of God strikes him, and he's dead. And now David's tripping. David's like, man, you know, well, who could be saved? That was my friend. God, why would you do that? God didn't do anything. Dude, can I tell you something? For the bitterness and unforgiveness and all the stuff we have, even the small sins we claim that, you know, it's just a small sin. Can I tell you, every choice we make, God said, choose to walk in the Spirit. Why? Because there are blessings in the Spirit every day for us if we choose to walk in the Spirit. But there are consequences for any sin that we choose. God ain't against us. It's us not knowing there's a consequence that already preceded us in our choices. Say so he sent his word to heal my disease. I'm going to catch y'all. I know some of y'all, they staring at me, but it's okay. I'm getting somewhere. I'm your brother in the Lord. I've been in this 
21 years, I ain't going nowhere, and neither are you, amen? So we might as well get this going, amen, today. God's presence is holy. The crazy thing is that we carry his presence. So the only thing that makes God unholy is the way I think and do. So I have to let God spiritually mature me so I make right choices in God's eyes. Now, I don't know about you. I haven't arrived there, but I'm striving to get there. Every day I wake up, I got to be conscious about how this day going to begin. I know a lot of people that said they got up and prayed. They ain't even in our ministry no more. They were supposed to teach us. Now they need to be taught. So we have to be humble in the assessment of ourselves. I still need Jesus. I still need our leaders. I still need other pastors to learn. I still need people in the congregation. You may be somewhere in your private walk with God that I'm not. And we need each other. Can you say amen? His presence is holy. It's too bad Uzzah wasn't raised in the house that understood the presence of God because it cost him. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, I'm going to go fast. You can write these down and go back and look at it later. In verse 3, check this out. It says, so they set the ark on a new cart. Say new cart. Because people want new wine with old wineskins, so they try to make new wineskins when it wasn't the, the spirit that gave us the new wineskins. The wineskins represent our thoughts. God said, my thoughts are... So if, if his thoughts are not our thoughts, and he wants us to have a relationship with him, then he has to teach us his thoughts. When a man thinks, that's his nature coming out. You, you know, when you come in, or I come into church with a bad attitude, do you know that's an expression of my soul. A lot of people are bitter. I have nothing against bitter people because I can help. I was bitter once. But I was bitter because I was always focusing on what had happened instead of what could happen if I just let God have his way. Look at your person next to you and say, I'm going to be a vessel of forgiveness. They put it on a new cart and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which had been on a hill, accompanying the ark of God and a hill went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir, wood, on harps and stringed instruments, on tambourines, sistrums, and cymbals. So basically, they do what we do, all that stuff. But it's funny how they were able to still do worship without understanding God's presence. We got to know the difference between gifting and talent. Everybody born has a talent. But you don't have a spiritual gift till you're reborn. Some people try to sanctify their talents to mask them as spiritual gifts. But if the spirit is in us, we know the difference between a gift and a talent. A talent gets me something for myself. A spiritual gift is something that comes from me for everybody else. Uh, it's okay to preach a little bit. I'm going to get into this a little bit because we got to understand the presence of God. We carry the presence of God, so therefore, we're repping the Lord. We're not just repping our ministry. Our ministry is of God. Our ministry is one of the vessels or one of the instruments God's going to use to fill his kingdom. I'm not worried about the church down the street or this church. I'm not going down them at all. I don't know what God's doing with them, but I do know what he's doing with our ministry. And like Nehemiah, when he was building, Nehemiah said, let me put you in front of the wall, build a wall where your house is, because you're going to have a different type of love, a different type of cost you're willing to pay, because you take it personal. Until you take this place personal, 125000 is never going to be reached. You have to take it personal. This is your house. Can I tell you something? I told our church that this year is our year. You know why, Rev? Because I said, we've been told that it's, uh, I take ownership of my house. You can't take ownership because most of us never owned anything. And we didn't pay the price for it. It wasn't our blood that was shed to pay the price for the church. So guess what? It's a different type of responsibility in me when I know that Jesus owns the church and he has ownership. But watch this. We have stewardship. How are we stewarding our call? How are we stewarding our days? How are we stewarding our energy? Because our ministry requires a lot because it's moving. You know what I'm saying? It's moving. Look at your neighbor and say, our, our, our ministry is moving. The last time I checked, my wife took me out walking with her, and I didn't realize she could walk so far. I need to get back in shape. I used to be an athlete, but she was walking so far that I found myself almost out of breath. I wasn't conditioned for where I was going. I heard her say, let's go, but I didn't count the cost. See, Jesus said, if you're going to build something, count the cost. That means when you pray, when you get up in the morning, you ain't just praying for something for yourself. 
we got to pray, God, how could you use me to accomplish what he's saying? I know, hey, oh, it got low. They were like, oh, hmm, what about mine? Amen. And we got you. When you get this, you're going to be taken care of. Watch this. I'm going to show you you're going to be taken care of. The presence of God is so important to us. Watch this. Because I love this part where he said in 2 Samuel chapter 6, watch this. And when they came to Nashon's dressing floor, I mean, they had to pay a cost. Uzzah put his hand to the ark of God, took hold of it. The oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord arose against Uzzah. God struck him there for his error. Some mistakes going to really cost us. This man was never discipled on the presence of God. He thought he was doing the right thing. But it cost somebody their life. Error. Say error. error. And he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah and called the name of that place Perez Uzzah to that day. They went to pay a price and end up paying a high price for not understanding his presence. Since David was afraid of the Lord, in verse 9, from that day forward, and how the ark, he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me now? So David moved the ark from himself, from the city of David, and took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom. Say Obed-Edom. Come on, say Obed-Edom. Because I'm trying to get somewhere what God's going to do. He's going to give you a time to be like Obed-Edom. This is serious. I'm, I'm about to unfold this because the presence of God. The king said, we can't handle the presence. But there was somebody that took it without question. He said, if the king wants me to have it, then I'm going to grab it. And so watch this. For three months, the Bible says, his house was blessed and flourished. Look at your neighbor and say, God is about to give us favor and we're going to flourish. This is serious. That, look, Obed-Edom lived in a desert. He barely was making it. And so the king comes and brings the presence of God to his house. And there's an instant transformation once the presence of God was there. He began to prosper. He had it going on like crazy. Everybody said, what's going on with Obed-Edom and his family? His family's blessed. God is doing something there. Why him? If we're in a bad place. How did he get blessed? How many know the bay might be a bad place? But this can be a place where people are blessed by the presence of God. Because we're not afraid. And we know that Obed-Edom anointing is going to to fall on this house so you can prosper. I love it because David didn't want it at that time. But when he saw how it blessed Obed-Edom in his house, he wanted it back. Huh? Oh, there's been times where I needed some help where I'm like, man, God is blessing them and I'm tripping and everything. And then I said, well, you know what? I'm tired of sitting here tripping. If God said he's for everybody, then that means he's for me too. And I need to start grabbing a hold of God. Maybe that man or woman gets up earlier than me to pray. Maybe that man or woman sets aside more to give to God. Because according to the portion that you give, it shall be returned back to you. That's called a spiritual law. Can I tell you something about laws? I like to be a little bit prophetic if I can. I'm a, I'm a person that likes to show. I was watching the Weather Channel, Pastor, watch this. This cello, the rocket took off, and that rocket was going. And just I, I, a couple years ago, I watched this. So you might have heard me say it before, but it fits perfect right now, that they were going up, and they had to time the launch at the right time because it had to go through different atmospheres, the stratosphere, the xenosphere, the troposphere, all kinds of weird stuff. But then it had to be timed because there's a meteorite and a space trash belt. And there's only a certain amount of time that it's got to pass through that window. They said the fastest that thing can go, that's the fastest thing it could go because it's built by man, was 700 miles per hour. 700 miles per hour pushing against that dome that we have. Now, if there's any Israelites in here and you believe that stuff about hitting the dome and coming back down, then I'm going to have to go past your level of belief because there is an outer space, amen? Believe me, it's not a video. It's not somebody with beams up there is making it look like it. There's a real sun, a real moon, real stars, amen? There's not that flat earth stuff, so just get that out of your head. And if the earth was flat, what is it doing to change your walk? Amen? So the thing is, it's going up. It passes through that belt, and guess what happens? It was moving 700 miles per hour. Now, once it leaves the law of gravity, and in outer space, it could go up to 20,000 miles per hour. We have to get to a place where a new law takes over in our life. See, we're used to being bound by this realm. You know, God made us laws in this realm not because 
any other reason than Satan loses power in this realm. He's been stripped. He came from eternity. Now he's in time. Say time. If you want a miracle, all God does is reduce or take away time and process. I mean, to grow as Christians, we always need time and process. But if you need a miracle today, he can remove time and process. It's called a miracle. We've seen it happen many times. I, I, I don't even, it doesn't even move me to say for him to remove time and process. Why? Because he taught me that. Something God teaches you, you're comfortable in it because it didn't come from you. It came from God. So all the burdens on him. So here we are. This guy got a, a cart fit, and he said, wait a minute. This dude got my cart. I, I, need, I mean, my, my box, my, uh, my ark. So he said, I want it back. So David goes and gets back what frust, uh, frustration made him lose. See, some of us in there, maybe you don't have that same spirit, those three that I said. Maybe you got a spirit of frustration. You're in that location that you were in this time last year. See, sometimes we always want to start over, but maybe you need to start new. Right? I mean, I had to. I said, God, I want to start new this year. I want to start over. I'm one of those people, man, I don't like redundancy. See, there's a lot of redundant passion for his presence. It's the same thing every year. It's like eating oatmeal once again, knowing you're only going to have butter on it, no sugar or blueberries or none of that stuff. You know what to expect, so you get frustrated. I've been frustrated, I'm telling you. I got tired of the same old son. So I said, either you're going to have redundant passion for his presence or relentless passion for his presence. When you're relentless, you have something you're chasing, something you're following, something you're after. When you're redundant, you're going in circles like they did when they came out of Egypt. And because they were complaining and didn't believe, they kept going in circles. I didn't want my life going in circles no more. So when I started reading this and I actually shared some of this with our church, I said, look how Obed-Edom took the presence of God with no questions. And immediately he began to prosper. How many want to prosper immediately? Come on, shout amen. First Chronicles 13, 14 says, the ark of God remained with the family of Obed-Edom. See, that's why we know he had a family. Before it said he left it at the house of Obed-Edom. Can I tell you what a house means in the Bible? When Jesus said the spirit goes out, but he comes back, he said, I'll come back to my house. House doesn't mean what it means to us. House, when Jesus said that, or in their day, it meant family, descendants, or generation. The blessing can come to your family, your descendants, or generations after you and I when we understand this because they didn't have Facebook, Google, Alexa, and all this stuff. All they had was the mother while the father was in the field teaching. And when the mother was teaching, she had to be accurate. She had to be biblical. That's why the woman with the issue of blood was so well, you know, uh, versed if you look at it. She had to have a family because for a woman to know if I only touched the hem of his garment from Malachi, that means that she studied the scriptures and had to teach her children where it says train up your child in the way of the Lord or when it says don't spare the rod. That don't mean beat our kids. The rod meant that there were Bible scriptures or whatever they used to teach on parchments and they said you'll spoil your child if he don't know the way of the Lord. So here he is. He said all this time he had that. We need favor right now with the way Pastor Sonny and Sister Julie, they're constantly, they, I just think God just throws out a challenge knowing they're going to take it. Amen. Seriously. And then they take it knowing that we're going to take it. Amen. Uh, am I in the right place? Because listen, God does challenge. Come on. They're what we call golden years. And they're doing all kinds of stuff. I'm like, man, we got another meet. They're going to do something else. There's there always meetings about doing something. And we just need people. Listen, they see it. We can be it. I mean, believe that. I believe that. I, I, we had that, uh, remember I told you how we had that poster board by our church, and, and there was a college right there, and that poster board was there for about three years. It had kids walking with their uh, books and holding and people laughing and the light rail station behind it. So they were telling us what they saw on paper, but they needed some people to come and build it out so that it can manifest. And that's what I'm telling you today. What we get this afternoon, you got to allow tonight pour in because prayer doesn't pour into us. Prayer comes from the presence of God and pours through us. And I can prove that through the word of God. I, I, I'm telling you because the presence is the most important thing. Because without the presence of God, you can't do much and I can't do much. Jesus even said, these people didn't have faith in who I was, so I couldn't do very many miracles. They thought I was the carpenter's son. I love this part. Watch this. This is called learning your lesson from losing your blessing. 
In 1 Chronicles 15, 11, David called for Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, and for the Levites, for Uriel, Asiah, Joel, Shimea, Eliel, and Abinadab. And if you want all those, if you're about to have a kid, there's some Bible names. He said to them, you are heads of the fathers of the houses of the Levites. Sanctify yourself. He's telling if you're a leader, if I'm a leader, if you're a mother or father that leads your house, we need to sanctify ourselves. You know what sanctification is? It's a process of removing stuff God don't approve. He says, sanctify yourself and you and your brethren that you may bring up the ark of the Lord to Israel and to the place I have prepared for it. For because you did not do it the first time, David said, the Lord broke out against us because we did not consult. We did not pray. We did not ask. We, because we did not consult him about the proper order. David said, I didn't know how to handle the presence. I got careless. I should have known better. God speaks to me, but I let somebody speak to me about God. What am I trying to say? We could preach all day, but if you do not get a personal relationship, we can't preach any confirmation to you. It will be revelation only. And sometimes you don't believe what you hear right away. That's why I said, do you read to believe or do you believe what you read? We can work better if you just believe what you read. So I'm bringing verses because we got to prepare. What's going to pour out of you? Now, if you don't show up tonight, you can't get half. That means you're half-baked. And if you're half-baked, that means you half-step. If any of us from the hood, we know we don't like half-stepping. Can you say amen? He said about the proper order. What did I tell you 2019 means? 2019 means the proper order. Now, watch this. We know our elder, Pastor Joe, right? I went one time. I feel the same strong anointing here that at certain times I feel it like God's going to do something. Well, I was in Whittier, and God gave me a word and a prophecy for Pastor Joe. Now, I didn't know Pastor Joe like that. I mean, how long he's been doing ministry. Some of y'all went with me. I didn't know he was left-handed. And then God gives me a word in Judges 3 about a left-handed deliverer that would deliver the people after 18 years with an 18-inch blade because they had been in bondage those 18 years. I said, Pastor Joe, how, how long have you been senior pastor with you? And he was just staring at me. He said, 18 years. I said, what hand are you? Left-handed. He was called. Now, why did I say that? Because God wanted him to know that I'm going to use you and your church, and there's going to be deliverance on a level in this city for what we do. Now, there may be some churches in the thousands, but everybody has a process. Because along the way, I said, in your church, and that's why I'm telling you this, tell you this. This is what I, I, I sense in the spirit. I'm not one of those spooky people, but I can back up what I say. There is an angel of direction in this church when y'all come and meet. There is an angel of acceleration when y'all come and meet. God placed them there. Now, the thing is, you have to learn how to take direction and move swiftly. That's what they're there for, to work with us that way. Now, the direction, listen, if you do not take direction good, then you could go nowhere fast. You got to learn how to listen to your leadership and then build out what they're telling you. And you got to do it immediately. Instead of waiting until the end of the year, you got to be able to come up to them and say, you know, at the end of the year, that's too long. Why the end of the year? I mean, this church has legacy. You already got 50. I mean, come on. This, the next 50, instead of 50 people bringing it, 75 help, you know, another 25 come and help the 50 that decide to do it. I'd love to hear that. I'm not a hater. I'm a congratulator. I hope you do it so I can use you in a way so when we buy our building, I can say we got a model. Look at your neighbor and say, we a model. Look at your other neighbor and say, we can do this. You know what I found out? I'm, I'm, I'm going to end because I want you to come back tonight, but I'm, I'm, I want you to see something about the presence and the power. Because this is, yeah, that's quite a bit, man. There's some stuff, I mean, the Lord's putting stuff in my heart, and this is an easy message about the presence because I said, I knew it was your prayer month, but y'all put in my heart, don't just go and talk about prayer. I mean, come on, telling them we were all raised in prayer, so there has to be something that complements where you're trying to go. And only you know if it complements, because if, if we just come and talk about prayer, like I said, every religion prays. Amen? Power don't come from prayer. People say, well, I'm a fast and I got power. No, fasting don't mean you got power. Because the Bible does say, and I'm just trying to get rid of some little you know, nuances, some little superstitions. When you pray and you fast, when you and I pray and fast, or should I say fast and pray, because you can see prayer without fasting, but you'll never see fasting without prayer in the Bible. Whenever we fast and pray, 
what we're doing is we're emptying ourselves. It's kind of like a detox of the soul because sometimes it's some things we're not willing to unlearn until the flesh is broken through fasting. Jesus, they said, how come your disciples couldn't cast out these demons? And he said, well, this kind comes out except by prayer and fasting. Well, it wasn't the prayer and fasting that I come to find out because the culture, you have to look at the culture of Jesus Christ and the people. It wasn't the prayer and fasting that got the demon to leave. It was being able to identify what you were dealing with through prayer and fasting. What I found out was the reason they couldn't do it is because he said the bridegroom's still with them. You know what? The Messiah was the only one that was said that will be able to cast out mute spirits. So Jesus said, bring the boy to me. You know, sometimes we just got to bring the whole church to Jesus, man. When they were singing Jesus at the center of it all, I felt a special grace just starting to fall upon us. It was starting to really wind up. It was good. I don't know if that's your regular worship team, but God said, I'm going to use that today. Amen. And it was, you start to feel a certain grace start to manifest because Jesus was becoming the center of it all. When it says Jesus is center, it doesn't mean like he cares about anybody's attention. He's just saying there's something that happens inside of you and I that allows him to manifest a particular grace that maybe we didn't experience when we weren't magnifying him. And so listen to this. In Luke chapter 5, 17, well, let me just end. I'll do this tonight. You're going to get something. Pre- come back. I'm telling you, just come back. Just come back because there's something God wants to pour into you. It does deal with prayer. It deals with levels of prayer. This is to deal with the presence. But tonight, it's about the prayer that will emanate from you whether you're at home or at church or wherever you are. Because there's four types of people in the church that we need right now. Our church right now is operating in it right now. I'm telling you, it will work instantly. You'll be able to go home after the service, and you'll be able to say tomorrow, you know, Pastor, Sister Chella, man, I got a report right away. I'm just telling you, it's God's way. See, if you do it God's way, you get God's result. Listen to this. In the Bible, it says that angels are light beings. So they work for us. If they are light beings, that means they travel. We say that, you know, because they say they're flames. Well, flame is light. That, they didn't have flashlights and everything then. So their light was flames or lightning and all that. Well, we know that light moves at 185,000 miles per second, right? Okay, and the earth is 25,000 miles in circumference. And I might have said this before, but I said an angel could travel 7.5 times around the circumference of the earth in a second. That's why... You and I never have to worry about. He says, you could fall from here, throw yourself from here, and the angel won't let you dash your heel. It doesn't matter where the angel is, anywhere in the world. He could be there right away. Ain't that exciting? That's powerful, huh? So he has angels charge over it. Everybody in here got angels that God has assigned because you're his investment and his relationship. So you're well guarded. It has nothing to do with your inside. See, God reserved the inside for himself. So watch this. Angels might move at the speed of light, but God moves at the speed of thought. Right? So Jesus says he's interceding for me, and he's God. He's omniscient. That means all-knowing. That means his thoughts are continuums. There's not a time we're not being thought about. I'm just trying to share with you what he did with me. I ain't trying to be a great preacher. I'm telling you the truth. That's why he says, for I know the thoughts I have toward See, they're coming toward us, and sometimes we ignore it, and we get caught up in the moment not realizing that God has something special for me today, that there is a grace that God wants me to experience. So when I pray, there's an effectiveness. When I go out and evangelize, the power of God will flow upon me. You already got the Holy Spirit in you. That's for a relationship, but it's from the fellowship, the prayer, the time I spend with God in love that I get the anointing on me. See how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. So you can be anointed but not have power. The anointing is the spirit in me. The power is the anointing on me. So I'm asking you to stand, because I do want you to come back tonight. And I want you to think about something. I want you to think about how the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, and I'm paraphrasing to skip through this, how the Bible says in verse 17 that you and I are joined to the Lord as one spirit with him. Now, the Lord, we look at him as a person, right? So what is he saying? He's saying the same spirit that was put in Jesus is the same spirit put in us. That's our DNA. That's what makes him our father, is we have the same 
DNA in us is him. What is the DNA? It's the Holy Spirit. We have the same spirit in us that was in Jesus. The problem God was showing me was, whenever I say, God, I know you want to move in the miraculous, but sometimes I, I know I'm holding you back. How? And he said, you're mine. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ. So as long as I'm thinking assignment when I come to preach, it gives me the ability to allow God to use me the way God wants me to be used. So the altar call today, because I was hoping that in your heart, when you saw about the bitterness, you saw about the unforgiveness, saw about the time, I was hoping at that time, knowing how we love the Lord, all of us, and we've all been through some hardships, and we're starting off the new year, that in your heart of hearts you said, you know what, I, I, I forgive God. I, I just, it's, just, it's too much weight to carry unforgiveness, right? That's what leads us to drug addiction, alcohol, that we're always trying to escape something we won't let go of. So I just figured we all let go so that we can get to the next level so we can accelerate. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to accelerate. But look at your other neighbor and say, but I got to follow these directions, though. If, you know, I don't know, tonight I might just go crazy and just, but I just want to teach. Because there are times, like at home, I might say, like, well, that ain't what he did on the internet. Well, I'm at home, so you got to stir the pot with your own people. got to keep the passion. Because some people don't have passion, so why would you pray? Because the, it says the fervent prayer of a righteous man. Somebody that thinks right. Not perfect man, is it a righteous man or woman availeth much? Do you know that you and I have the righteousness of Jesus Christ on us? When he died on the cross, he took our sin and the consequence, put it on himself, and he took his righteousness and put it on us. So don't look at yourself. Don't look at yourself. All of us got struggles. But as long as we're striving to get through, as long as I can reach out and the way God is, is drawing me to him, there's a time when I have to say, I'm leaving who I was last year, and I'm stepping into who God called me to be this year. Because you never know when our ministry might have to call on uh, Pastor Esteban or Sister Chella. Do you have this? Do you have this person? or UTC, wherever we go. I know I said, uh, me and my wife, we're older now. We're, I'm 54, she's 50. But we were in the hood. We only been saved, what, 20, 21 years. So we were in the hood in San Jose. Man, just 20 years ago, some of y'all were just going probably UTC and all that. We out there selling dope. I'm over here off Tennyson getting, you know, the stuff. Amen. I just don't want to say the word. Some of you might still be struggling. I don't know. So sometimes I stay away from glorifying drugs. Amen. But I will tell you, it's crazy how God gets the last laugh. That, I remember I told the guys on the way over here how I used to come up here. I, when I was a dope fiend, I had to come all the way from San Jose, pages somebody to come up here to get something in Haywire, because that's what we used to call it. Amen. Come to Haywire and get some stuff. Ralph Tennyson. And then go back. Almost OD in the seven trees over by the church in San Jose. And here I am today, preaching the gospel, teaching God. You never know how God's going to use our life later on. Say presence. Obedita was an awesome man. When you're impacted by the presence of God, you're not a holdout, you're sold out. If you read the Bible, and I'm for the sake of time, I, maybe I'll tell you tonight, but over the Edom, Pastor, David came and took the ark from him, took the presence. David did a thing where he walked six steps and then start dancing, whatever you was doing earlier. He did that for two miles, taking six steps to worship the Lord, that he got the presence back. So they had a big celebration. Later on, his wife, she ended up saying, uh-uh, you dancing, because he danced until his garment fell off and he only had on you know, his swimming trunks, whatever he had on, I don't know. But whatever, his wife got mad that he praised God that hard in the midst of the people. Don't forget that was Saul's daughter, too. But David said, you don't understand. When you lose the presence of God and not sure if you're ever going to get it back, it's different when you get it back. So David took it to his house. But I started reading, Pastor, and I read that Obed-Edom, Bible says that in the house of David there were all these gatekeepers and doorkeepers it gets there and says Obed-Edom the doorkeeper 
Obed-Edom was so impacted by the presence of God that he sold his house. He left everything he knew and he moved to the king's house and he just wanted to be an usher so that he could just peek in and every now and then see the presence of God. Because he said, that's what changed my life. When I was all messed up and you came to my house, I knew right away I could never live without you. That I needed to be around the presence of God no matter what I'm going through. So I'm going to leave what I'm used to and I'm going to follow the presence of God. And my friend, maybe that's why his leader, King David said in the psalm that I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord because he saw a man that was touched by the very presence he was called to protect and produce and sometimes we got to learn from somebody maybe there's somebody new only been in the church a year maybe somebody in the men's home women's home you know thank God that you're reaching people now it always starts off slow because God don't do microwave stuff he does crock pot stuff I've seen, you know what, I, I put a pizza in there trying to be all real microwave society. Put pizza in there one time, and man, Pastor, I mean, DiGiorno, I'm like, I don't know, DiGiorno, like the commercial, the game's on. I put that thing, I cooked it up, man. Man, I mean, wow, it was fast. Vince, boom, ding, all right, it's ready. We go in there, we're blowing it off. I can't wait to taste it. I bit into it. The edges almost burnt my hand, but the middle was so cold. See, when you want to move too fast, we can look like we're hot on the outside, but because we haven't let go of our bitterness, our unforgiveness and all that, we're still cold on the inside. But if God would have threw that pizza in the oven, the old convectional oven, because sometimes you got to go back to the basics, right? We got to go back to how Victor Outreach had people giving away Rolex watches to buy their building, coming any way to give their finances. They had the presence of God. Pastor Sonny would have the presence come on them. He'd start to preach and prophesy about what people were going to do. There were women that were saying, I'm going to back my husband up. There were young people saying, we could take the world. And that's the same DNA we got today, that the Spirit of the Lord will come upon your pastors. It'll come upon the speakers. It'll come upon the congregation. And we start to believe that God can do anything because we've been impacted by his presence. We know him as a person. And now we want to see his power flow through prayer in our lives how many can shout amen i just want to have an altar call if i can just for some people that just say i'm gonna be humble about the whole thing just be a doorkeeper in the house just doorkeeper meaning that i'm sure he went on to do greater things